Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Thanks, guys. We might have the message. Yeah. Right. I don't do that. I kind of felt like I just wanted to continue to worship, but well, um, we'll do that. Please take a seat. <clears throat> well, this morning I'm going to talk about something that um, you don't like, I don't like, we wish we didn't do, we still do do, wish we could take back, um, overreaction. <laughs> Have you, have you ever had one of those moments in your life where, um, where that, that cause didn't warrant that effect? <laughs> and if, can you ever remember a time? And if you can't remember a time, maybe that's a clue that it was an overreaction. <laughs> because how, uh, how caught up in the moment do we get when we overreact? And if you are one of those wonderful Christ-like people that just don't overreact, then I'm sure you've been around people that overreact. In fact, um, some of you, are, you're still paying hundreds of dollars to repair from the way that your parents have overreacted throughout the years. And, and some of you, if you're parents, you're terrified that you're going to overreact the way that your parents overreacted, right? Um, some of you have friends that that's kind of the done thing that they just like to, as we Aussies say, particularly for you South Africans, I know that we've got them in the audience, but sometimes we just like to have a lash as Australians. That, that means to, um, to, when one overreacts, we like to have a bit of a lash every now and then. And the challenge is when we overreact, it kind of creates this wake, have you found this? Almost like an overreaction hangover, emotional hangover, so to speak, where there's this, this carnage of wake behind us that we end up regretting or wishing that we haven't done. Maybe you've had those moments. Maybe, maybe your last apology was to an overreaction. You know, maybe it was some moment where you swear you were right, but you were right in the wrong way. Have you ever been right in the wrong way? <laughs> Just ask my wife. I've been right in the wrong way lots of times, haven't I? You know, when you're right, you're absolutely sure you're right, but you're right in the wrong way. It kind of doesn't go down well. And the thing for me is, uh, even this year, I, I had an, uh, an overreaction um, right in the middle of an elders board meeting, which can I say as a pastor, that's kind of not the best place to overreact. <laughs> and um, on one hand, the, the grace of it all was that it was such an overreaction that um, uh, for everyone else in the room, they were kind of trying not to laugh, thankfully and graciously, uh, because they could see that I'd been triggered by something. <laughs> But they could see that clearly it was an overreaction, an over-emotion, and I felt bad about it, and I felt guilty about it, and it caused damage to a relationship that I had that still has to be repaired, right? We've been in these situations. And the thing that gets me, and I don't know if it gets you, and the thing that I hate about overreacting is that, that I like to feel throughout life that I'm managing my emotions. And yet we get to these moments, and it feels like our emotions are managing us. Can I get an Amen. All right, I'm not the only one. So how do we manage our emotions? How do we make sure that we don't get into those spaces? And I look, I've been trying the religious way for years. I've been trying the religious way where you kind, kind of just stuff it in. And you know how we're all really, and particularly because we're lower North Shore, we know how to act before we react. Have you noticed that? 
We know how to put on the good face. We know how to act well when it serves us well. But then it slips out in these moments and I constantly feel guilty and I come back to why can't I manage my emotions? And so here's where we're going to go for the next couple of weeks. You know, we're, we're no better than our response, but our responses can make things better. Your response determines the trajectory. Your response determines the outcome. Your response determines the path by which you and the people that you love around you, family and friends, chart their life. Your response, right, can either make things better or badder. And so how you respond can make things better or better, but it, but it won't make things better unless you exercise your superpower. And I shared this with you in the middle of lockdown it's, it's an amazing superpower. It's a superpower that's the title of this series. It's a superpower that's not actually a word, but it is a word because Sam's now said it, it's a word. And your superpower is respondability. That God, in his wonderful imaginative creativity, he's given you the power to choose to choose whether you will respond or react. Whether you respond or react. Now, there's a catch in all of this, and the difficulty in all of this is that the problem that the, the response that has the power to reverse the natural course of things isn't natural. And that's why we're going to learn about it for three weeks. It's not natural to do this sort of stuff. You know, what na- you know what's natural? You know what's natural? What's natural is getting triggered, right? You know, a- a- imagine these sorts of phrases. Imagine how someone reacts when you say, you know, well, you're just like your mother. Why don't you just get a job? Why are you more responsible? You'll never be like your brother. You should have prayed more. Where's your faith? Anyone feeling triggered right now? I'm sorry. I've, like un- I've unwound a couple of hundred bucks worth of our therapy this week. <laughs> it's not natural, is it? We can feel that. Some of us, right? You can feel that where... Well, the emotion comes up and it wants to manage us again. It's not natural. But here's the thing. Um, your res- the response to reverse this is not natural. But, and, and the thing is, we will never be devoid of emotions. We're human. Jesus was human. Well, he had emotions. We'll never be devoid of emotions. But here's the question for this series. What, what if we could leverage our emotions for good? What if we could take reactions and leverage them for good? I think one of the first steps is to realize that followers of Jesus actually have the power to choose. That the followers of Jesus have a reference point for their emotions that is beyond them. There's a, there's a great verse in, uh, where is it, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where it says, Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And therefore, I will be mastered by no thing. And what Paul is saying in that is that a, Christi- a Christian's free to react however you want to react. Like, if you want to have a, a lash for the rest of your life, you are free to do that. And can I say to you this morning, that is not going to stop you from getting into heaven any one bit. <laughs> you can be angry, you can be bitter, you can be resentful, you can be grumpy, you can, you can grump your way into heaven, and you're still saved, by the way. And the reason I know this is because there's so many bitter, angry, grumpy Christians. Right, church? (laughs) Still going to hang out with them for eternity. (laughs) We know them, I know them, you know them. I'm in danger of becoming one if we don't learn this this week. 
we've got the freedom to choose to choose whether we respond or react, and we can, we can master our emotions because we have a master who masters his and want us to master ours. Guys, never underestimate the power of a measured response. And what Jesus is going to insist to us this morning when we get to the scripture, and we're getting there, by the way, all of you Bible nerds, you're like, he hasn't mentioned scripture yet. We'll get there. I've got it. When we get to the scriptures, Jesus insists on this. He, he insists for you and I, if we want to call ourselves his followers, he insists on unexpected, unwarranted, unprecedented, under overreaction. I'll say that again, under overreaction. I'll, I'll give you an example. You all look bamboozled. Understandably, it's a new... You Sam would. Um, under, under overreaction. Um, um, I'm, on, I'm on the ninth tee. Some of you may have heard me share this one. I'm on the ninth tee of Blackheath Golf Club at about age eight or nine, I think, from memory. I'm there with my mate Greeny. Greeny, Greeny and his dad, my dad, we're all there on the ninth tee of Blackheath Golf Course. And um, Green, Greeny had never played golf before. And so um, Greeny gets in and he, he puts his tee into the ground and he lines up and he has a few practice swings and his ball falls off the tee. And so his dad gets down to put the ball back on the tee. And right as his dad is leaning down to put the ball on the tee, Greeny, as if he's in the long drive championships in the world, goes whack with his wood straight into his father's head. <laughs> Greeny's dad's like, Greeny's dad's out almost out cold he's just you know when you're in so much pain that you can't even kind of express that you're in pain <laughs> it kind of sounded like an easter egg when you drop it down the stairs if that you, know, you kind of kind of get the picture <laughs> uh, we thought that, did, did we? we we thought this we thought this guy was going to be hospitalized we thought call the ambulance anyway anyway he gets up from that and he, he pulls andrew aside and dad bends down and he says andrew that is it you are not playing the next hole <laughs> to which my dad says to me son you ever do that to me you are never playing golf again <laughs> what was that that was an under overreaction it's a reaction in the opposite direction that is so unexpected and so powerful but i'm still telling that story 30 something years later <laughs> What if, church, we lived lives that were as unexpected and unprecedented and as unwarranted as Greeny's dad's response on the ninth tee of Blackheath Golf Course? Because let's be real with one another. Life hits us in the head like a driver, like a three-wood. And if it hasn't yet, the good bad news is it will. And your response in that moment will be everything and what Jesus wants to take us into is to say not if but when these life moments happen when they hit us what if his followers became the sort of people that under overreacted in such an incredible way that people had to say what the heck is going on with them and haven't haven't you found that it's the under overreaction stories that are worth telling right I'm still telling the story Maybe, maybe, you've, maybe you've known some under-overreaction stories with friends and family. What, what, do you, what do you mean he's not angry after what she's done to him? 
Why is he? What do you mean that they're not trying to get back at them after all that they've been through? What do you mean you're staying quiet after all that they've said to you? You say it back to It's the under-overreaction stories that are the ones that are worth telling. And so what Jesus wants to take you and I into this morning is to become the sort of people who under-overreact. And so I'm going to give you some samples from the teaching of Jesus. It's just one passage in his great Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 that Jesus really instills this principle of under-overreacting to his followers. He says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, which is, look, that's kind of what all the world was doing then and doing now. Like, nothing's different. If you just repay someone with what they've ever given you, a punch for a punch, that's how the world operates. And then he says, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Now, what, what, Jesus, what Jesus is not saying there is, is for, to allow evil people to hurt you. You know, this is not about... This is not about a lack of protection. This is about retaliation. Jesus is saying, if, if, if an evil person uh, hurts you, then don't retaliate into that moment. Don't retaliate. Have an over-under reaction. Don't do what the rest of the world is doing. And then he goes on to say, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And so... You know, a lot, of, a lot of Christians kind of think this is that we've got to build ourselves up to be these passive people that, you know, we're so strong in the Lord Jesus that, you know, if someone slaps us, then we turn the other, right? It's not what Jesus is saying. Um, it was well-known custom in those days that if someone slapped you on the right cheek, your right cheek would be a backhand from them in their custom. And so this is if someone backhands you. In other words, what Jesus is saying is if someone starts to backhand you, insult you, don't take the bait. Don't do it. Don't try and pay them back. Don't, don't do it. And then, and then he says, if any of you wants to sue, hand in your coat as well. If, if any, oh, then Verse 41, if anyone forces you to go one mile with them, go with them two miles. Part of the Jewish custom back then was that any leader in society, leader of the temple, leader of the courts, even a Roman soldier could force you, if you were from a lower socioeconomic background, they could force you to carry stuff for them along the dirty roads. And so it was well known that you kind of had to do that, but you would do it with grumbling. You know, you would just hold it and do it, which is kind of how most people live their Christianity, right? You know, we need more joy. We need more light and colour, right? And Jesus is saying, be, be vastly different. And, and whilst everyone else is grumbling as they go along the road, you not only not grumble, but you go the extra mile with them. And so that... We see, and he, he, keeps, he keeps going on, there's a whole, a whole lot more in there, verse 42, you know, don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow, borrow from you. You've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. And then verse 44, but I tell you, love your enemies, pray those who persecute you. And here's the point of what he's trying to say in this whole passage. But every time we react, there's an opportunity for leveraged under overreaction. In other words, to be vastly different from the world around us. He goes on to talk about, you know, if a salt loses its saltiness, what good is it? Jesus expects his followers to be different from the world around us. And then, and then before we go any further, you've got to stop. And I've got to pause you here because you can take this passage and you could turn that passage into the most religious Christian exercise you've ever dreamed up. You know, in fact, that's how a lot of people live their Christianity they're like, okay, what did Jesus say? Okay, that's what I'm going to do. 
okay, I'm just, I'm going to go the extra mile and I'm going to turn the other cheek and I'm not going to retaliate. And you start squeezing it in like a pressure cooker. You know those sorts of things that you see on the stove, right? And if you're a pressure cooker kind of person, you keep squeezing the commands of Jesus into your life and the little red dial starts to go up a little bit more and then you explode. (laughs) Anyone ever done that (laughs) with their Christian life? That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying these things are the means, the disciplines by which you move into becoming this type of person. And he says it in verse 45, that you might be children of your Father in heaven. And you know what I love about our Father in heaven? Particularly if, if you're new to the faith or you're watching in, maybe this is your like first or last shot back at church again, you're watching online... What I love about our Father in heaven is that God is the great under-overreactor. Have you ever noticed that? Exodus 30, 34 says, The Lord, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness. You want, here's another one. You want to know the greatest example of, of uh, over-underreacting? That whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. (laughs) God's kind of like, what did you ever do? And anyone who's a Christian knows that we we deserved the punishment of God. (laughs) And and, and the the greatest over-underreaction of God in all of this is to send his son to die for us. Is to send his son at the cross and to say, you know what, I'll pay. I'll pay. And in so doing, he sets out a dynamic for us this morning that Jesus, in his example to us, commands us to react towards others simply the way that he reacted towards us, with grace and with love. And when we see slights and criticisms and hurt and rejections, instead of seeing them as slights and criticisms, hurts and rejections, maybe we'll start to see them as opportunities. As opportunities to over underreact. <laughs> They're opportunities to amaze and to confound and to cause people to stop and stare. And please hear me, not, not for your sake and not for my sake, but for God's sake. Haven't you found in a in a world that's constantly reacting? What an amazing reflection. An over-under-reaction would be in your workplace or in your family or with your friends or coming up to Christmas time. That's why we're talking about this sort of stuff. And so, as we finish this morning, here's all I want to ask you. When, when life hits you with the proverbial three-wood in the head, are you going to respond or are you going to react? Because what Jesus calls us into is to begin to practice the strategic art of over-underreaction. The strategic art of saying, you don't do this to become right with him. You don't do this in order to earn favor with him. You do this in order to practice becoming the sort of person that's so distinctly different. People go, what the heck is going on in their life? And then maybe one day there might be the opportunity, as he says in the Sermon on the Mount, that your good deeds might point people towards your Father in heaven. Oh, they're like that because they're a Jesus follower. They're one of those types, Christians. 
but maybe kind of the type of Christian that I actually want to hang out with, right? And so your homework for this week is to go and practice the art of strategic over-underreaction. And so you're going to do this at home um, just to be safe. I don't don't trust my emotions. Just to be safe, start at home, okay? Week two, we will progress to the outside world, all right? (laughs) But I want you to take whatever it is at home for you that irks you, that perturbs you, that just gets on your nerves. And when that thing happens, notice I said that thing, not that person. When that thing happens, right, I want you to stop and pause for a second and say, what would under overreacting look like in this moment? What would an unexpected, unprecedented, opposite reaction in the other direction look like for me this week? And I want you to try it. Try it because it doesn't earn you any favor with God. Try it because we want to become the sort of people that are more like Him. What would, what would over-under-reacting look like for you? You know, parents, what, what would you need to do? Grandparents, what would you need to do to make your kids or your grandkids think that something's up with mum or dad or grandma and granddad? Like, what do you got to do? You know, husbands, wives, singles with your friends, if you're not married, what, what do you need to do that this week you're like, what is up with your friends? Find an opposite, deliberate, <laughs> over, uh, under overreaction and try it out. See something different. It was like um, uh, while I was away, uh, Kristen decided to tell my kids our engagement story. And so she told the story of like how um, I basically hired a limo and I had a DVD playing of me there and I drove her up to North Head and there was like non-alcoholic champagne because that was a favourite and uh, she got up there as a little love hearts down the pathway to North Head and, and I'm there waiting at the end with a table and like dad's hiding in the bushes to take photos for us and um, oh, it's just so romantic it was just beautiful and she told the kids a story and they turned her and said how come dad's not like that anymore? Maybe just maybe I've got to do some strategic over underreacting in the other way in the area of romance. Mind you, now she's heard that. She's like, I heard that doesn't count. You need to find something else. (laughs) Something that's very different in the opposite direction. Look for an opportunity this morning, guys, to surprise someone with your over underreaction. Whatever they expect or deserve, go the other way. Don't do it to be religious. Do it to practice. Don't do it to be religious. Do it to be like him. Don't do it to be religious, but do it to be different in a world that is constantly reacting. Experiment with it. Unexpected, unwarranted, unprecedented, under, over, reaction. Let's pray. Father, I would ask that as it says in Ephesians that you are ahead of us and you are preparing in, the good w- in advance the good works that you would have us do. I know the hearts of this amazing church family and I know their heart is not to do this to earn your favour or to look cool or to earn, earn things from you, to think that they're better than others, but it's simply because we want to do something different, that we recognise that our responses carve the course and the trajectory of our life and we want to respond like you, Lord Jesus, and we know in these moments that we don't always do that. Help us to respond rather than react, Holy Spirit. I pray into every person's life this week, whether they're watching online, whether they're watching this back on YouTube, whether they're in the room with us here. Holy Spirit, I pray you ahead of us. 
into that moment when emotion will rise up in us like a fuse that's been lit. I pray you would meet us there. You'd meet us in that space. You'd meet us with Sam's quirky little sayings. Under overreaction, over underreaction. What the heck did he say? Oh, that's right. I just meant I have to go in the opposite direction. Responsibility. That's right. Lord, do your work in those spaces this week. I pray. Amen. Uh, as we come to communion, we come to history's greatest under overreaction. come to the tangible reminder that Jesus never calls you and I to do things that he hasn't first done himself and so he says if your homework this week is to under overreact then watch my example and in the garden he said father it's not my will but your will be done and he went to the cross and he says there before he passed forgive them father because they don't know what they're doing Imagine if we took that into our lives this week. The person that's irking us. Forgive them, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. He's already lived it in his humanity so that we could follow his model and his example. And so two things as we take communion this week. If you're a follower of Jesus, regardless of your church background, if you're a guest with us, if you're not from our denomination, it doesn't matter. That's his invitation. I first want you to rejoice in the model that he set for us. I also want you to pray and to ask him, what are you setting up for me this week, Lord? Ask him, invite him, get excited with him. Where's that moment going to be? Maybe some of you, there are trigger points in your life that you know that are just too raw and too sore that if we pressed into it, then... There's no coming back from that. Maybe you just want to ask him for his strength and his grace over your life in that space this week, his protection over your life in that this week. So feel free to wander around and grab one of the, the communion cups. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I hope you would see this morning that the things that Jesus says, they're not religious things. They're just thing things. You know, life, I don't know, Jesus just makes your life better and he makes you better at life. And so I always say to people here, if you're wondering about follow, following Jesus, just follow Jesus anyway. <laughs> like Reading this stuff's kind of better, I think, than reading Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, although that's a great book. <laughs> just, just follow anyway. If you're going to read the self-help books, read the life of Jesus. Come along. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.